our young people didn't used to be that hard of an act to follow. Now sometimes I think as soon as that's over, we ought to just go home. Yeah, don't agree with me. Our first reading this morning and our second reading come from the same psalm, so I will not pause in between. From Psalm 22, verses 1 through 18, listen to God's word. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Oh God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our ancestors trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried, and they were saved. In you they trusted, and they were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not human, scorned by others and despised by the people. All who see me mock at me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs are all around me. A company of evildoers encircles me. My hands and feet have shriveled. I can count all my bones. They stare and they gloat over me. They divide my clothes among themselves. And for my clothing they cast lots. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. This will not be as dark as that reading made it sound. There are a couple of things that we have to remember in this time of year. And sometimes we have to take a second look at the things that God has told us. And this psalm is a good example of the things God has told us that we need to take a second look at. We know that as we look at this, it's also the same uh, psalm that is used and said that it's a reference to Jesus, who's coming later. There's no way to argue against that. It's pretty clearly a reference to Jesus. But what we can argue with is that that's not the only interpretation. Remember that when God is, all, is talking to us, God is putting these things in terms we really can understand. But sometimes we have to stop and think about it a little bit. So that's what we're doing this morning. <laughs> I'm glad some folks from back home are here today. They'll understand most of this without an explanation, but I'm going to explain it to everybody. This story is interesting, but it's kind of culturally specific. I have that. Wayne has it now. No, it's okay. It doesn't. It's decided not to be happy. I think Jim is messing with it from heaven. Just so I have to talk louder. 
But normally I have that on on Sundays. And I, I hope you haven't figured this out. It's all I can do not to just turn it on and start ranting. Just to say, look, there's no worship today. There's nothing going on in the world we need to worry about. I just need to talk. I mean, I woke up this morning and I thought, what's the point? People are blowing each other up and shooting each other and people are hungry and apparently nothing I do is going to change it. Or if I was married, I might say, oh, I adore my wife, I love my kids, but if I had it to do over again, no way, Jose. I might even be like that guy down the street who complains all the time. I might say, Lord, if Elliot down the street turns on that pine needle blower one more time at 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to run amok in this neighborhood. We associate this psalm with the crucifixion. I don't think that's entirely the point. We can say that the writer of this psalm was not making that point because they had no concept that Jesus was going to come along in a thousand years and do what Jesus did. So what else might they be trying to tell us? Think about this. you suppose Jesus ever had a bad day? That's a real question I'm asking. You can nod and everything. I, I agree. I think Jesus probably had some bad days. In fact, if we read the Gospels, we'll, and not very closely, we'll see that Jesus had some bad days. Not talking about the day of the crucifixion. That came later. I just mean regular bad days. He wakes up. Think about this. He gets in a boat to go across the Sea of Galilee and get away from all these people. Falls asleep. There's a big storm. The disciples are panicking. Jesus sits up and says, what's wrong with you? We're going to die. No, you're not. The storm ends and they get to the other side of the lake. And he's gone over there to have a little peace and quiet. And when they get to the shore, there's a whole crowd of people there. Don't you think that once in a while, maybe, Jesus thought, don't these people have a home? <laughs> Oh, I love them. I adore them just like my Father in Heaven does. But I swear if they don't give me a few moments privacy, I'm going to run amok. Or my favorite one, and every time I do a parable, I think about this one. If I have to explain one more parable to these idiot disciples, <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind. I've never met a more dense bunch of people. Scholars argue and study about, well, you know, Jesus had bad days, but you know, he didn't react to them the way all of us do. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought Jesus was human. I thought he'd have some of the same reactions we did. But for the rest of us who don't want to argue about it, we want to stop and think about this, it's telling us more about Jesus than just his death. 
And this psalm is actually a priceless treasure. It helps us remember that Jesus had those moments just like us. I think that might be why he wasn't married. God was trying to keep the hard times to a minimum. Oh, you're slow this morning. <laughs> but think about this. Haven't you ever felt like your heart was melting? Your bones were aching? That you poured out everything you had to give and look at what happened? Nothing. Everybody's still dense. Nobody understands what you're trying to say. But that is one of the amazing things about God welcoming us into the company of saints. And here comes the culturally specific part. Who here knows what a dogie is? <laughs> and I don't know where... Well, okay, it would work in Nebraska too. There's a lot of cattle there. Yeah. When I, when I first put down the name of this, Russell and Dogies, uh, Claudia said, that's not how you spell doggies. <laughs> She's from California. <laughs> I said, no, 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 it's dogies. She said, that's not how you spell doggies, and that's not how you say it. I said, it's a different word, okay? Just put dogies down there, would you? If you think about it this way, a dogie technically is a calf that has been orphaned and is not marked, not branded, not clipped, not cut, not dehorned, nothing. Just a little calf running around. There are people and were people in the world who interpreted a dogie to be a calf that's not branded, whether it has a mommy or not. And they also interpreted the fences as not to be important when they were shopping for new calves. <laughs> well, it's not branded, and gosh, I don't see its mother here. I guess I will take it home and take care of it. And I can swear to you that that is true. People really did that. There was a rancher uh, about four miles north of my grandparents' place. And his, I don't even know what his first name was, but everybody called him Dogie Moore. And the, the story was that's how he built his herds. His calving season, he'd go out and shop. <laughs> but one of the things that we call that is we say that he cast a wide loop. He wasn't real careful where that loop came down what it was attached to when he pulled it tight and where he took whatever he caught. But that's the same thing that Jesus does. In spite of all of this and in spite of the bad days he had, in spite of the bad days we have, Jesus is always throwing the widest loop he can manage. And being God, that's a pretty wide loop. And that's why, if you ever stop and think about it, on your worst possible day, how can God love me? Well, you're in the loop. And God's not letting you go. What's wrong with you? God's pulled us in, and God wants us to be with God and with each other. And it doesn't matter. We can be having a terrible day, and God cares. 
It doesn't matter how bleak things seem. And they can seem really bleak sometimes. God's there with us. If you think about Jesus having been a human being, think about this. God, through Jesus, is saying, I am with you, and I'll stay with you. I will not let you go. In fact, I will go to hell for you if that's what's necessary because even hell can't stand against God. Remember that part in the Apostles' Creed? He descended into hell. Gee, you ever think that in hell God might be present? What does that do to it? Think about that one over the Advent season. God looks at us and says, I was one of you and I've been down in that pit too. But when you're in that pit, you remember that because I am there with you, it's holy ground. And there's no reason to despair. I'm with you. And I will not give up on you. God even says, and you probably could relate to this one. I love this. How many of us have seen people cast lots for their last shreds of hope? We've all been in that boat, one way or another. But God is also in the boat with us. And God's presence is a very wide loop. God's probably catching some calves that we don't really want to associate with. But there you go. God draws us back to hope and comfort and peace in spite of what the world might do to us sometimes, in spite of how confusing life can be. We have to look at life and say, how much does this really matter? In the end, at the end of all things, how much is this problem really going to matter. You'd be amazed at how many problems vanish when you ask yourself that question. God is with us. God is for us. God's our cheering section. God casts his presence far and wide simply by being present with us. And we can cast that same loop far and wide by being present in God's name with those who are hurting, those who have fallen in the pit, those who have given up hope. We're instruments of God's love and God's hope. So when you feel like this, remember that. Be there for each other. Be there for the people who need you, whether you like them or not, whether you know them or not. Be present, because that's the one thing we can all do. Amen. Come, let's stand and say who we are and to whom we belong. The one sufficient revelation of God is Jesus Christ, the Word of God incarnate.